Hey, it's Jamie and Christine, and we're so excited to announce a very special Off the Gram event. On October 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Off the Gram podcast goes live, virtually, of course, for the ultimate pajama party, and you're invited. Join us for an intimate chat on mental health and resiliency with the one and only Ariana Huffington. Tickets are $45 and deliver not only a Zoom link to listen in live, but a super fun party in a box packed with luxe goodies and snacks to enjoy during the show. And the best part, 100% of ticket sale proceeds will go directly to Ronald McDonald House, New York, a charity that allows families to stay near when their children are sick and need them most. Head over to offthegram.eventbrite.com to get your tickets. Once your order is processed, we'll email you for your mailing address to send you your box of fun. Get ready. It's a good one. This will be a night of pampered wellness and community brought to you in the way only Off The Gram can. My heroes have become the Mr. Rogers, the Gandhis. I mean, to me now, strength is not beating somebody up. Strength is being able to beat someone up, but lifting them up instead of knocking them down. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, gang. Smaller than usual, gang. I know. There's only two hosts today. Megan and I, this is Jamie. It's Megan and I holding down the fort. You know it. Okay. So today's guest is Nicholas Ferroni. He's a high school teacher in New Jersey, excuse me while I beat my chest, and a nationally recognized social activist who educates mentors and inspires students to reach their goals while driving a national dialogue about education reform. Nick was named Upstander of the Year by the Human Rights Campaign for his outspoken advocacy and support for LGBTQ youth. Nick was also noted as one of the hundred making a difference, one of the most influential educators in America and honored by the Foundation on Gender Equality, the American Conference on Diversity and the United Nations Women's Division. His expertise and strong opinions about education have made him a sought-after personality and expert on platforms including ABC's The View, MSNBC, Huffington Post, and more. Nick has also been featured in USA Today for his advocacy and work for teachers, focusing on his No Summers Off campaign, where he highlighted teachers in every state and shared what they really do over the summer to expose the myth that teachers have summers off. As a history teacher to extremely diverse students in his hometown of Union, New Jersey, beating my chest again, Nick developed a Teach the Truth campaign to incorporate more minority figures in social studies curriculums, as well as including the history of the gay and lesbian civil rights movement. In addition, he helped found the school's Gay Straight Alliance and Feminist Club. Nick has become renowned for employing innovative and unique approaches to teaching his students. His social experiment on the importance of gender equality in politics went viral, garnering the attention of news outlets and television programs nationwide. And the views Whoopi Goldberg called the best social experiment ever. I am so excited to welcome my friend Nick to the show. Yay! Well, thank you. And just imagine, I'm not even nearly one of the best teachers in America, so you can only imagine based on on that recognition. 
Clippers. I mean, you're doing something right, sir. And you forgot to say Rutgers, fellow Rutgers University. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did I – are you rah-rah, man? How did I leave that out? Scarlet Knights. Yes, oh Meg and I have a lot of similar paths, similar paths. We are Jersey folk. <laughs> totally. Well, I got you got to tell you, actually, this is Jamie, and we have one similar path that I want to bring up today, and that is – TikTok. So we're both part of a TikTok creators program. And I had never been on TikTok before. You know, I'm an, I'm an Instagram girl. That's where I built my following and my career. So we always do like a weekly catch up topic. And we were talking about what it should be today. And in full transparency to our viewer, our listeners at home, we're recording this in the beginning of August. So there's a lot of unknowns about where TikTok is headed over the next month. There's been a lot of craziness you know, the president saying he's going to ban it and who knows what's going to happen. This episode is airing in the beginning of September. So we'll be getting right down to the wire of what Trump has, you know, put out there as maybe a ban on TikTok. But in the meantime, I want to love on TikTok for a minute because I went on there and I got my, you know, I got my account started up and I started posting content. And I found that TikTok is really amazing. Aside from 15 year old girls doing dance moves, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, right? It is such an unbelievable sociopolitical platform for people, specifically teachers, to share what's going on, how they feel about the pandemic, to kind of show in a satirical way some of the the holes with the plan to go back to school and all of that jazz. So Nick, I kind of wanted to hear like your perspective on it because you're such a cool TikTok creator. I'm a 40-year-old man who has a deep, strong education background. I'm making TikToks to expose and bring awareness to what's going on in education and students. That, that's my life right now. Uh, the irony is, pre-pandemic, I teach pop culture history, and I allowed a lot of my students to create historical TikToks. So I only created one because my students would create them. During the pandemic, a lot of my students were like, could we do our assignments in TikTok? So I would post questions on TikTok, and then they would duet me with the answers, which was their way of showing our knowledge, which was, I mean, incredible. Uh, the other irony is now because I have such a strong following, my students who got me on TikTok are now very bitter and <laughs> message me all the time. They're like, can't you, he's like, how did you get so many? He's like, can't you help me out? So I'm like, I'm doing more duets with my students because I'm like paying the homage because they're the ones who got me on in the first place. But it, it's such a great resource. I mean, I do, again, the education fund. I do history lessons. I just did one, you know, Kanye West is on the ballot in Wisconsin. So I did one showing that what happened in 2016, why, a certain party's pushing a candidate because he's likely to siphon votes away from another candidate. And that's what happened in 2016. I mean, I teach about history. I do every, every possible thing to not only, again, a TikTok was on CNN that I did just me walking through the months to show how the progression of loving teachers to hating teachers has changed. Like simple 15 second lessons are so powerful. And it's, it's been a great platform for me as, as an educator and like you said, the educator community on TikTok is inspiring, incredible, and it's, it's going to be definitely a tool that some teachers will be using to engage their students this year. I love that. So I have to say, so my daughter, Charlie, is like a killer TikToker, and I actually stay off the platform because it's mortifying to her, but I love it. Like, I feel like it's a great way to show DIYs and how-tos, and I love that teachers would be using it. Charlie really, they did some kind of a thing in her fourth grade class this year wasn't TikTok, but it was a video Flipgrid. 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 And I got this message from the teacher, like, Charlie really came alive and like blossomed on Flipgrid. She makes the most incredible Flipgrids. And I was like, okay, she found her medium of expression. Like if, if the teachers would be embracing TikTok like that, I mean, I know she'd be crushing it. There's so many social skills students learn. My students all the time, them talking to the camera 
we're, 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 we're nurturing journalists, people talking to the camera, people sharing. It's like kids are so nervous about speaking up in class and I have students who go home and, and they're so expressive, which is why I allow them to share their responses on TikTok or that platform because there's less pressure talking to a camera. But it's, it's also pointed out too, Megan and Jamie, how nothing made me cringe more than when my mom created an Instagram account. <laughs> now I'm my mom because my students are like, it's like we're making TikTok uncool because we're on it. So our students yeah. are like, wait, you're on TikTok? We have to come up with another platform now quickly because <laughs> right. we're getting on it. Right. And like that's when I brought this topic up with like all my co-hosts, uh, you know, Heidi and Christine aren't on today, but they were like, yeah, we keep hearing that like us... <laughs> us old people are making TikTok uncool. And I said, you know, you got to get on there because I think there's a duality in that. It's two different use cases, right? And that's fine. But I love that you're inspiring your students to learn and to really embrace history. I just think it's so cool how we're able to really kind of broach what's going on right now in culture in a way that like, I guess it, you know, humor lightens the mood. It does. It definitely does. I mean, you have to. It's, it's kind of like that meme where the house is on fire and the dog's sitting at the table. It's like you have to, and it's, you need humor in the toughest time. Otherwise, I mean, as an educator, if I sat around and thought about everything going on with school and the safety of my students and my colleagues, like it would be so wrong. I'm sure as parents, the same thing. If you think about all the bad, it's like I'm, I'm a Mr. Rogers advocate. Look for the helpers, look for the good. I'm an overly optimistic person, which is why I think I make a good teacher. But it's like you have to. And humor, you have to make light of serious situations. It, yeah. it's, it's a defense mechanism. You're speaking our language. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to pivot really quick because this is a great segue, actually. So the, the, uh, another segment we do every week is called Sweat This. And we talk about something we're sweating this week, right? And so speaking of kind of being like this Mr. Rogers lifestyle, right? I just moved from New York City to Pennsylvania. I am living the suburban dream. I took Megan's advice. The suburbs rock. I'm not going to lie. But I really am liking living here and having this huge amount of space. But like, I only had two rooms full of furniture. So I've had to like outfit this space and including my big new backyard. So I actually just partnered with this incredible swing set company and I'm so freaking excited. But I got to tell you, like, this is 40, right? Like the two things I got most excited about this week were my new health insurance being improved in the state of Pennsylvania. I was like, oh my, I was like running around fist bumping people like a sick. <laughs> And my swing set being delivered because I just want a generator. I feel like I'd rather have a design, like a, a generator than a designer bag right now. And I remember getting my first swing set. It's this that's a real big life. Day. This is real life stuff. And when you have kids seeing the joy on your kid's face, like that is real life stuff. And, you know, as much as sometimes I long for New York City, I miss New York City. I've only been gone for three weeks. And I, but like I have these nostalgic moments of being so cool. And at every club, the reality is I've got two kids and these are the moments, right? So Creative Cedars Designs is so amazing. They provided me with this swing set. It's called the Timber Valley Swing Set. I love a customization moment personally. I love when I can customize things. So that's what they do. Like I get to pick the accessories, like all the climbing rocks and the swings and the safety handles are like, I get to pick the color. So I literally feel like I'm designing a handbag. Like it's very, very cool. And I really can't wait to make my neighbors jealous. So I just had to give them a shout out. If you want to make your neighbors jealous too at home, go to creativecedardesigns.com. They have everything like swing sets, dog houses, sandboxes, you name it. They're awesome. So I'm living that swing set life, yo. That's suburb. <laughs> when you have a swing set, that's when you know it's suburban. Make a TikTok. Yeah, make a TikTok. <laughs> putting it together. Okay. All right, Megan, I'll throw right, so back I'm to you. Dive into today's topic. So going back to school is the hot topic on everyone's minds right now. And whether you're a mom or not, 
everyone seems to have an opinion. On one hand, we hear that we may be damaging our children, um, not only educationally, by, but emotionally by restricting their socialization. On the other hand, we hear from experts and teachers across the country who say there's no possible way to return to school safely. I couldn't think of a better teacher to join us today for an honest discussion around school and to pose the question, how do we maintain a sense of family wellness around education when so much is unwell right now? I mean, that is the million-dollar question. I mean, I again, I don't have the luxury of giving you the parent perspective, but I, I have the luxury of kind of from the perspective of teachers, and I think most teachers. And I will say God's honest 100%, I want to be back in my classroom. I want to be in school. Online learning, which is to me is more crisis management than it is anything else, is, is it's not an, it's an unequal substitute. This is not the future. I hate to say it, but me sitting in a room with you is, is no comparison to me Skyping or Zooming with you. And the same thing applies to teaching it, relationships, everything. At the same time, it's, I mean, as much as I want to go back, because teaching in person, I'll be honest, Jamie and Megan, it is so much easier and less time consuming. I have that down pat. Me having to spend 24 hours a day recording videos, calling parents, emailing, it, it was just, there was no separation between work and, and teaching. And normally we don't have a separation. We are teachers 24 hours a day. But that blended space was so crossed over where I can honestly say, I didn't think it was possible for teachers to work harder and more hours, but we did. Now, with that being said, we want to be back in the classroom. I care too much about your children and your safety and my family's safety to take that risk, especially when everyone else who's telling us to go back is doing the complete opposite of that. To me, that is the most hypocritical thing where your child, I could care less, your child's not political to me, your child doesn't represent the economy. Your child is your child. Your child to me is not expendable, just like they're not to you. So when it's become politicized to send people back to school and risk their lives, when we can't guarantee their safety. I have teachers emailing me that they're either retiring or signing living wills. And it's so funny because I advocate so much for teachers. And when I speak up about teacher pay, a lot of critics say, well, you got into that job. You knew you're getting into. You know, we buy supplies. Well, you knew you're getting into. Now it's like, well, we don't want to die. You can't say you knew you're getting into. You know, we're exactly. willing to take bullets for students in case of that extreme situation. I mean, my question is, because there was an article, what more, teachers need to do more. I'm like, what more could teachers do? I know as a parent, I know you're struggling. I, I know, and I know it's tough. And I know there's a period where parents are like, teachers should be millionaires, which I feel like that should carry on. We want your kids to be back in school because I know they're, they're losing out, to me, not academically, but emotionally at interaction. My other concern is, I teach high school. My high school students are logical, rational people. I can talk to them about masks. I can talk to them about the greater good. Their, their mind can process it. I'm seeing videos of social distancing in elementary school. It's so traumatizing. It's like kids are in solitary confinement and not in education. If I ran to my teacher for a hug when I was in first grade and she rejected that, I'd be talking to my therapist about it right now. To me, it's like the conditioning of children going back to school and the rules they have to follow to me is so much more of a negative psychological impact on them rather than being home and playing and having that comfortable environment, forcing them back into an environment that's to me more like juvenile facility than it is an educational facility. And, and again, that's just from my observation. Do I have studies to back it up? No, but in 10 years, I guarantee you I will because mm -hmm. we're going to have kids who are going to be so conditioned to that. And it's just, and, and then the inequities in education. You know, it's like staying home, certain kids are at an advantage. I know that. And teachers are going to kids' houses. They're trying to find all these different ways. This is not permanent. I can't time. even fully wrap my head around what 
came. So we got our back to school plan yesterday and I can't even fully wrap my head around it. There's like an A group and a B group. You go four hours a day, but on alternate days, nobody goes on Wednesdays. I have three kids. I'm like, I'm going to have to make the like some kind of a crazy chart to understand, to even remotely wrap my head around what that actually means. And I want my kids to go back in the sense that they are such social human beings like their mom. They miss their friends. They, they miss those interactions. They miss their teachers. They loved their teachers. But it is the, the, uh, the flip side of that is what you're saying is this like penitentiary like atmosphere. There is no gym. There is no specials. There is no lunch. There is no recess. So some of that stuff that they really, you there's know, no sharing, there's no collaborative. There's, there's every, no, yes. everything we're teaching people to do that they need to survive in the future. They can't do. And it's like, and that's, and so it's, it's, I feel like it's so much more psychologically harmful to send them back to school under these circumstances. Well, I think it's, the reality I mean, is also, it's impossible. Like yeah, impossible. when you have younger kids, because my son is in kindergarten, give me a break. And like yesterday I forwarded Megan an email I got because he was um, signed up for a summer camp that he's not in right now, but he, I'm getting the emails and uh, we had a tornado warning here yesterday. And they're like, so here's what we did. All the kids went into the gym. They stayed in their masks. They stayed socially distant. I'm like, you cannot tell me. No, they didn't. Yeah. There's just no telling. I mean, it's children and it's school. It's, yeah. I can't even imagine. I keep talking with my friends. I'm like, what if like we create a quarantine and it's two or three families. We band together. We say, okay, like we're going to have this pod. Let's hire a teacher and set up a schoolhouse because like, I feel beside myself. It was very hard during quarantine. My husband and I work full, both work full time. I have three jobs because I have a magazine, a book and a podcast and TV. And, you know, like we were, we were drowning. I mean, I've never been so stressed, worked so hard in my life because I was also homeschooling three kids with no help. And then emptying the dishwasher 92 times, doing 700 loads of laundry. Like it was surreal. I'm going to like look back at that period in my life and, and tell it to my grandkids. Like that's going to be, I walked to school with no shoes on <laughs> in the snow. up that the is, hill backwards. That is definitely. But I'm beside myself. And, and I, my mom was a longtime teacher, 40 years. My sister is currently a teacher. You know, I, I have the utmost respect and love for teachers. I think that my kids teachers did a phenomenal job, but it's just confusing and hard and overwhelming and all the things. But again, it's not us against you, and I feel like they're trying to politicize that. We we both want what's best for your children. Exactly. People, people in politics don't want what's best for your child. They want what's best for them. Exactly. And it's like when teachers saying we're, we're concerned about going back to school because we know your 25 or 30 kindergartens can't can't socially distance. And it's there are so many factors that come into play, and it's like, and again, we want to be back at school. We do. It's easier well, for us. Well, I would say, Nick, too, it's not, I mean, yes, the little kids, but I would say the biggest problem we're having in my town, we just had a resurgence of COVID cases, is because the high school kids are having parties and not taking it as seriously, too. So, like, yes, they are of sound mind to heed the advice, but, you know, high school kids are also rebellious. And, 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 it's their and they're also year. invincible. And they, and, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. Like, not me, yeah. you know, so like, like, it's hard on all sides. It's, I think it's hard with the little ones. It's hard on the high school level. I mean, it's just challenging. But I will say I'm team teacher and, and you're going to be featured in the next issue of Woman's Day magazine where we celebrate some teacher heroes across the country. And on the cover, it says, thank you, teachers. Because to me, like, 
it makes me cry that you're getting crap. I hate it. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Again, like I'm not one of the best. There's, there's 4 million amazing. I mean, going on and watching what teachers were doing, the efforts, and I'm sure your, your child's kindergarten teacher recording videos in costumes, and it's like trying to find every resource. And, and are there some teachers who probably drop? Well, absolutely, but I can say with absolute yeah. certainty it's the minority. It's, it's the small percentage. That was not it's, my experience. My yeah. experience was being blown away by what my, my kids' teachers did. And it, that was in public school. They were unbelievable. I was so impressed and proud of them. And I told them, you guys, you guys should have a YouTube show. You should be, you should be making like all the money. <laughs> or just make TikTok. Yeah, yeah. 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 elementary school no, they, teachers are heroes. Yeah. I'm telling you, these they, they were like talented. They were doing little workout videos. Obviously, fitness is important to you as it is to us. And, and we all care about wellness and fitness. And I love that that came through as well. You know, they were reading stories and they were giving lessons, but they were also like, okay, how can we move and shake out some of their sillies and shake out some of their nerves. And all of that was considered. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you how much it meant to me. I could cry also, Megan, just thinking about the, because I know I see the teacher's um, care and concern and their desire to normalize life for these little kids. And I'm telling you, I mean, my son has a pretty good understanding for like a four and a half year old that like he kind of gets all of this. But at the same time, his face, the day that his teacher came on the Zoom and said, okay, guys, so it's, you know, whatever the date was. So this is our last week of pre-K. And he realized he was never going back to that class again. Like it, it hit him yeah. and he dissolved in tears. And then I dissolved in tears because I was so sad for him. There's nothing you can do as a parent to help. But the reality is, and I think this is just what your point was from earlier, like this is not forever and our help has to come first. Yeah. I have. To, I mean, that was Brooksy's kindergarten graduation. I was devastated. And then my husband, who I love endlessly, did the fake graduation in the yard. He rented, like he got a cap and gown off of Amazon. Like Charlie serenaded him in. James held the flag. We pledged allegiance. There were speeches and awards. He won all of the awards. <laughs> um, and so like, and I would say that was a pandemic silver lining for me because, you know, I've, I've graduated a couple of kids from kindergarten. This was my this was my first experience. Like, and it was so special. Like it was so incredibly special to have this little private backyard kindergarten celebration with my husband officiating. I mean, so there are those silver lining moments, but this is hard for everybody. It's, it's so challenging. And Nick, you're a teacher who connects with your kids in a classroom on such an intent, like they're going to be cheated out of having you this year face to face. My jokes are not nearly as funny on Zoom as they are on The fun is still there considering half my, I mean, it's, again, like I spent our Zoom sessions and our calls were mostly just talking about how they were doing. It was more about emotion than it was anything else, talking to their parents about how they were doing. Uh, I mean, I still have students, like literally when I get off here, I'm going to my one student who's a photographer. He just graduated. He, he's starting his photography company. So I'm going to go. He wants me to model his clothing. So in safety, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to wear a shirt from another student who's trying to raise money to help him in a single mom. So it's like, I just, I mean, I have I, nothing brings me more joy than seeing them do well and helping them kind of do what they want to do. But I mean, so many teachers are like that. It's so tough to be connected to your students online though, Megan and Jamie, and it's so frustrating. And it's, and like I was talking to my buddy, if this is for some God forbid reason, this is ever the new norm, I would find another profession because yeah. everything that I love about teaching, this is not it. 
it's not. And I've I received the irony is as an educator and because of my platform, I've received so many lucrative and financial opportunities to teach pods or work with these big organizations to become a remote teacher. And I refuse because that's not what I believe education is. You know, well, it's not- and I have to segue because one of my favorite things about you that you don't keep in your bio anymore is that you were one of people's magazines, Sexiest People Alive, Sexiest Teacher. <laughs> and you actually turned down an underwear campaign, right? I remember this because your love of your students. I've been objectified for four years. I don't know how women do it their entire lives. And it's like, I've had a taste of what it's like to only be judged based on how you look or your appearance. And it was the most horrible thing in the world. Uh, The irony is I left it out of the Bible. Thank you for bringing that back up. I mean, (laughs) well, that's how we met. So I'm grateful that you were watching. Oh, no, absolutely. Just so you know, my mom leads with that. My mom, this is my son. You know, he's the sexiest teacher alive. I'm like, but I mean, it's it's definitely providing me with a great opportunity and a platform as an educator. At the same time, it's it's opened my eyes. I mean, that very year we found the Feminist Club. It's it's just it's opened my eyes to that. And I did. I turned down a lot of opportunities, a lot of money. And I'm a teacher. I work three jobs too. I desperately need it. But it's it just goes against my principles, and it's not something I believe in. So it's at the same time, I also like to point out that if a woman was named sexy teacher, I should have probably lost lost her job. You know, it's like I can be in a fitness magazine shirtless, you know, it's like teach. And so it allows me to expose that double standard as well. And it's just it's one of those interesting opportunities that was a blessing and a curse, but also how we only highlight teachers in mainstream media and primetime when they either get an inappropriate title or they do something inappropriate. You know, (laughs) it's yeah. So it also allows me to talk about those things. I become very good at pivoting very quickly and saying, but I'm actually a good teacher. You know, let me Right, because you, you have to. You have to yeah. like validate that. But can we just back up for a minute? Because I think the notion of walking away from a lucrative deal f- to have integrity is so fascinating because so few people do it. And I think it's so incredible. And I'd just like to hear about that for a second because I think that everyone should just step back and consider what you receive in spiritual yeah. dollars versus you know what was on the table perhaps. Well, it's, I mean, I, I always say my students can call me a lot of things, but they can't call me a hypocrite because it's, it's ironic. I mean, not only to mention dating shows, primetime dating shows that reached out to me repetitively and tried to. Oh my God, me. you so could have been the bachelor. And, no, no. Well, well, it's again, when saying no, and it's like, well, you yeah. can be America's team. I'm like, but this, this stuff doesn't, it's not what I ideally want. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's easy to have principles. You always know when you, when you have principles is when you're going through adversity. If you still stand by your, your principles when you're desperate. And it's kind of, it, to me, that's always been my deciding factor is how am I going to handle a situation when there were times where I, I mean, my, my bank account, all due honesty, was in a negative. And I'm like, $50,000. I could help out my family. I could give some, they'll give scholarship money to the school. And it's like, but I couldn't do it. And it's just, it's one of those things where, again, I'm no better than anybody else. It's just, I... I care so much about what my students think of me and what their families think of me and, and being an example for them and a role model. Cause to me, nothing's more hypocritical. It's like having a trainer who's out of shape and telling you to eat healthy. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, that's the extent where it's easy to give people advice. It's tough to take their own advice. So I try very hard to do that. And it, it's, it's made me again, the path is always slower. You know, it's, if I was a bachelor, would I be instantly famous or and have a million followers? Absolutely. But at the same time, it wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't be what I wanted to get attention for, what I care most about. So it's, again, I'm not a safe, but it's, I've had to make some tough decisions. And right now, sitting for us, I'm so happy I made those decisions. At the time, believe me, especially when you have your mom saying, do the underwear ad. It's not a big deal. You're in your, you know, it's like, 
yeah. Right. So, but it's it's like I would you work hard for those ads. Yeah. yeah. But it's like yeah. I would add a billboard in Times Square. It's like at the same time, I can't tell my students about self-esteem and about this and then their teachers in his underwear on a billboard. At the same right. time, I can do fitness. You know, it, it happens to be National Underwear Day while we're filming, recording this. Just <laughs> FYI in the <laughs> irony FYI. of the world. Just FYI. Irony. But, but, but maintaining that sense of integrity and just kind of keeping a backbone and it allows you to stand up for people and students. You know, you're not just standing up for yourself. You're standing up for other people. So can you tell us a little bit about your work as kind of an advocate for the LGBTQ uh, community? I mean, I'm a straight white Christian man who will do everything he can to use his privilege to advocate for women, minority groups, the LGBT community, and the disabled community. Uh, I've, I've never had to experience any of those experiences. I'm a white man who teaches, I mean, I'm a white man who teaches white history to black kids. I'm a man who teaches male history to girls. And it's like in college at Rutgers, because my amazing professors, shout out to Rutgers. Go are uh, you? I, yeah, I began to question everything when I took my first woman's study course, which I, me, and my, me and a football player took because we thought we'd be in there with a lot of girls. But it was the best, horrible, sexist decision I ever made because it exposed me to women's history. Um, my first cultural studies course, it just... All my heroes, growing up as an athlete, I was always taught to appreciate the bullies, like the guys who go around and physically dominate. Like, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. That's what, that's what it means to be a hero or a man. As I would say in my later life, I've become to, my heroes have become the Mr. Rogers, the Gandhis, the, the people who have, or the people who, I mean, to me now, strength is not beating somebody up. Strength is being able to beat someone up, but lifting them up instead of knocking them down. I can go around and be an alpha male and beat up a lot of people. I choose not to. That, to me, that strength is having the power to do something and not using it for that purpose. And that's why it's like I'm so happy I read comic books. Like Superman was one of my heroes. Like always, like comic books instilled such a positive message. But I would say the same thing, like having that ability to use your privilege and try to help others. Because to me, that's as an educator, that's all I want to do is see all my students. I just want to see people happy. I want to see people represented. That's it. To me, it's like somebody else receiving equality doesn't mean – it doesn't affect my life in a negative way. The only way it would affect in a negative way if I feel superior to you and I don't want you to be playing from the same level as I am. So I just think as an advocate, it's like you have to – strong people stand up for themselves. The strongest people stand up for others. And that's kind of been my mantra. But like – so are you creating your own curriculum? Like I have little – I have 10, yeah. 9, 8 right now. So but are high schools in general – teaching what you're teaching or are you creating your own curriculum and going off the books? Well, the irony is New Jersey and California are now the only two states who are required to teach about LGBTQ history, which again, people think is absolute. Some people think it's the most horrible thing in the world. I think it's the best thing in the world because it's not about sex. It's, it's about identity and, and association. I have LGBTQ students who didn't think who, who first time they ever heard the word gay in high school was in high school that in 1960s or had this impression. I have straight students that have no idea that the, the LGBTQ community has been contributing forever. At the same time, I can imagine that racist people, when they were told they have to learn, their white kids have to learn black history, they, had, they lost their minds the same way. Because God forbid you learn about another group who also contributed and may have done more than you. And it's like those sort of things. You know, I can write history texts and convince everyone with the truth that women and minorities built this country and white men just sat back and did nothing. You know, Do but it. It's, it. Yeah, well, but it's, I mean, I, I use my textbook very sparingly. I use a lot of supplement materials. Uh, I have sometimes parents not call me out, but want to meet with me and discuss the content or the material. And it's more for kind of clarification than it is for like, we don't want you to teach this way. It's like, you never knew this. 
you know, did you talk about how certain historical figures or religious figures were portrayed by white people and therefore most people think they're white? I'm like, yeah, like we never thought about that. We didn't, we didn't realize, you know, Jesus and Noah and these, because I teach a history through pop culture class on how pop culture shapes historical perception. You know, it's like, so we discuss all these historical myths and it's like, nothing's more exciting than teaching students stuff and having them like, never thought about that and having their parents say, I never thought about that. I so, kind of want to sit in on your classes. Can you just, can you just, uh, I may destroy you know. your childhood a little bit. Oh no. And, I mean, I did a whole lesson on the ice cream truck song on where it originates and, and why cartoon characters wear gloves tracing back to blackface and minstrel shows. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the ice cream truck song is is based on Turkey and a Straw, which was evolved to a song in America, rewritten, and the title song is The N-Word Wants a Watermelon. No. The lyrics have been removed, but the, the melody is exactly the same. So it's like stuff like that that is so, and my students, it's so fascinating. Stop. But, but it exposes so much, yeah. Yeah, I how think, do your students respond to that, to learning about I mean, that? Nothing's more enjoyable than when they, when they tell me that they didn't really care about history until they had my class. And we talk about stuff that is so relevant. You know, I've minority female students. We're, we're in a society now where we passed the Crown Act where it became a law in certain states where you can't punish a girl because of her hair, because they were forcing black girls to either straighten their hair or wear their hair in an, what they were saying in a natural or not a natural way. But throughout history, it's like people have been doing that. The European model of straight hair, it's, it's been established. We've been conditioned to believe that it's good. There's a reason why they call straight hair good hair, which gives the implication that curly hair is bad hair because that's the historical narrative. When that's, there's no good hair and bad hair. You know, it's like colorism. I mean, you know, skin whitening has been around since the 1800s. You know, it's it's been banned in South Africa. We deal with it today. So we're all part of history. Our beliefs are how we dress, how we look, why we do certain things. And again, for women, I feel like it's just been a control factor. God forbid a woman leaves the house without her makeup. You know, it's like. It's so it's like, is that because society has established that norm? Well, so I don't I, shower for the podcast anymore. <laughs> so I'm just trying to uh, fight the power. And I, I don't want to know, but I'm pretty sure you're probably wearing underwear for underwear day too. So. <laughs> um, you know what? My running shorts might have built under built underwear. I'm going to say that counts. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, I love you. Man, I wish I had a teacher like you in high school. I do. I know you had good teachers. I'm sure you had good. I had amazing teachers. I loved college um, because I was there for it. You know what I mean? I was there for the right reasons. I went to NYU. I was not there for a frat party. We didn't have them. That wasn't that type of school. I was there for the education and I got it and I drank it in every single day. In high school, I was also still in my party days, let's be honest. But, you know, it was just a little bit different. And I feel like if I had had somebody that was just as engaging, maybe I would have listened different with different ears. I never had a good history teacher, if I'm being honest. No, never. No, I had really good, I had good literature. Like, I think, and maybe it's because I just had a natural inclination toward writing and literature but that's where I felt like I connected with teachers and had really like memorable I can't even tell you who my high school history teacher was that was was so non-consequential clearly it was nobody in your like your caliber well I'm sure I have have students who probably don't love history or kind of would dread coming to my class at least they get some entertainment and knowledge out of it but I do think it's a personal taste like my goal is to obviously excite the kids who love history, but also engage and make kids who may not like history and may not initially care. Because in high school, I didn't care about history. I had great teachers, so I remember how they made me feel. 
when I was a 17 year old kid, I'm like, I could care less what happened a hundred. I care less what happened last week. You know, yeah. I want prom and graduation. That's all I want. You know, so right. it's like, right. So I feel like it's, again, you can't fake passion. You could tell when somebody's passionate. And I think yeah. passionate people make other people passionate. And as an Absolutely. educator, that's kind of our goal is to inspire kids. Do you know what September looks like for you? Has it, has the plan rolled out yet? We're doing the same model as you are, the two, uh, four days on, one day off, half days. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how many – because, again, my class rosters are still 25 students. There's no theoretical way I could have 25 students in my classroom. Uh, we have 2,600 kids normally on a school day. Our halls are insanely packed. So it's yeah. going to be – and our school, and I, they sent out surveys to teachers and students, so they're doing it the right way. And, I mean, I – I'm optimistic that we can at least get a weekend before one person tests positive and then we're back to square one. Well, that's the thing. One teacher, yeah. one, one kid, and then yeah, one the dishes are done. One worker who it's, that's it. And it's it's yeah. going to happen. I mean, the inevitability of it happening is pretty certain. So they cut out, I think for us, they cut out everything like, you know, my sister's a gym teacher and where yeah. does that leave her? I mean, she's not, you know, she's in a state of flux, but they've cut out specials and I guess they'll be doing all of that remotely. No extracurriculars, no sports. I mean, it's no, the, I mean, it's like everything that so many kids to me, it's, it only benefits. I mean, again, like so many kids shine through their art, through their sports, through their work. And I think it's so, and again, I understand the logistics behind it at the same time. So many kids are not going to reach their potential or know their gifts because they're not going to have the opportunity. Yeah, there's no easy answer. I mean, it's really yeah. hard to watch. Uh, my mom has two sets of twins. Um, she got remarried, and so she has younger kids. They're in high school. And I'm just watching all of my, you know, my mom and, and just other friends that have kids that are in high school, and maybe they're graduating this year. Or my friends, I'm a horseback rider, and uh, the National Pony Finals were just canceled in Kentucky. And they just, there were all these pictures on my Facebook feed of just 12-year-old girls crying like one after the next and it's just like their dreams are dashed and if this was their last year and they're going to age out what do you where do you go from there you know and so so many kids like there's no going back on a lot of these things you know like if you graduated this year you graduated this year you, you know can't go and, back and play or redo your senior that's years. right that's right and it's hard it's hard i'm still not able to wrap my head around what the whole half day on half day off group a group what that all even means or why that would even help like i don't i don't get it it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me um but the biggest irritation that i have with all of this is what you stated in the beginning is that it's so politicized and it is so and these kids are being used as pawns and it sucks i mean you can't be and again politics side, you can't be pro-life and then sending kids to go risk their lives. And the irony is it's, it's put people in such a horrible position. And again, I have, I have friends who very politically are saying, no, my kids are going back. This is not, this is, and it's like, if to me, I always are on the side of safety. If there's any risk, you know, is your child going to school? Is there a risk? And I of course there's a risk, but the, the percentage of something happening in the current climate is so exponential and it, it's not worth it. And it's one of those things where it's, it's, until there's something, until there's herd immunity or vaccine, it's like this is something we have to readdress. But you can't, the other irony is you can't cut money from school budgets or can't fire teachers and then expect to meet any CDC guidelines. So it's, it's just, it's one of those things where they're, they're, they're trying to pit parents and teachers against each other when we're not. Because if anything, we're the only ones who really care about your child. They don't. They care about reelections and campaigning and that's it. And, and that's why the one advice I always give parents during this time is, and teachers, I call home every week. I would tell the parents to reach out to your teacher, let them know, 
and just ask, what can we do to help? And the teacher will say the same thing, what can I do to help? Because we are in this together, especially if it's a hybrid or a virtual learning process. I would just say make sure you connect to the teacher so that way the first time you connect is not a month in when you know it, you may not have the resources or you may be struggling or your child's struggling. Because you'd be, I mean, again, teachers will do more. They will do everything they can to make sure your child is, is succeeding and is happy. I think that's a great place to wrap. And I, I just got to like second that squeaky wheel gets the oil. Open your mouth, talk to your teachers, talk to your administrators, voice your concerns, ask questions. I think it's great advice. And Nicholas, I cannot thank you enough for being with us today. We always end with two quick things. So I'm going to do our lightning round. Are yeah. you ready? It's way less serious than talking <laughs> about this serious stuff. Okay, so okay. it's more fun. It's perfect, okay. Perfect. Question number one, morning or evening workout? morning me too question number two me too <laughs> what is your favorite kind of workout uh, i would say interval or high intensity supersets oh. high intensity lightweight yeah i've been super into hit re recently too i've been like just craving it um and finally this is this is kind of a girly question but that's kind of a sexist thing to say so i'll just ask the question yeah. coffee tea or matcha God, coffee all right. <laughs> Matcha to me is a little too much. I'm a coffee person. I'm, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts coffee person. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> I, I, love anyway. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. Okay. And I have to do what is called the karma call. Mm -hmm. And normally I just say it. And Heidi, who's our yogi, says karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So if you could leave our listeners with one action they could take this week, something small that could have a big impact, what would it be? I do have to stay in my own world and say, go on Donors Choose. Donors Choose is a website that helps teachers who are trying to crowdfund for supplies because now we're going to be spending so much more money to make sure that we have everything for every student. Type in your zip code and it'll show you a list of teachers who are trying to crowdfund for projects and supplies and make a dollar or a $5, $10 more donation to help that teacher get those projects. Or those so items. Donors Choose. Donors Choose. Dot, okay. dot org. Or type in your zip code, and I'll, I guarantee you'll see, if you, if you have a child, you'll probably see some of your children's teachers on there trying to, so that way we don't have to spend all the money on supplies, and we're going to have to be buying so many supplies this year. So oh, my supplies. sister is a gym teacher, bought her own kickballs, bought yeah. her own, I mean, I can't fathom the money she spends on gym equipment. I'm like, why do they not supply all of this? It's crazy. That is crazy. I will make a donation as soon as we hang up from this call. That is my vow. And I think, Megan, you just said you will too. So yep, done. You, got our, you got us on there. Thank you, Nicholas. So, Thank you so much. Good luck. Godspeed. We are with you. We are watching you on TikTok and Instagram and everywhere else. <laughs> and if you ever need a social studies teacher to step up, let me know. I will gladly, gladly step in and help you guys. Thank for you. Virtual. Thank, thank yeah. you. Yay. And thank you to all of our listeners at home. Don't forget to subscribe to this show everywhere the podcasts are consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.